This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly is starting right now. Leadership is about creating that context, and context is about creating simplicity. And simplicity starts with why. What's our higher purpose? Um, how does it, what we're doing fit in to delivering on that higher purpose? Hi, and welcome to Ian Weekly. And it's 2018. Can you believe that? 2018. 2017 went out like a line for sure with all the fires in Northern California and floods elsewhere and the hurricane season was one of the worst we've seen in years so let's make sure 2018 is uh, a, a year for us to prepare and to uh, reach out to our to our communities and get them ready instead of us responding to disasters today we're speaking to Peter Docker who is a writer and public speaker he speaks on the question of why. So one of the things we talk about here is thinking, acting, communicating, all starts with why. So what we're doing here is creating a culture of leadership of teams. And we really get into the idea here that it's leadership versus authority. Leadership, realistically, is something that does not have to have authority associated with it. If you think about when we talk about sports teams, they have the coach who is the authority, but there is always that locker room leader. In the military, you have your captain or officer who's assigned over you who has the authority, but in some cases, you have an E3 that steps up and he or she really becomes, is a leader. We're getting the principles of the idea that leadership is a choice. You have these bosses that you've all worked for. They go into the office and hide, and they only come out when they have to. They don't really lead the organization, although they do have the authority. And this kind of goes back to the idea of leadership versus authority. The leadership really is a choice. And then I like the idea that Peter gets into with the idea of content and context. And that context gives the meaning to the content. And that we need to, as leaders, as emerging managers, really provide that context uh, to what we're doing. On a personal note, think about your why. Why do you get up in the morning? Why do we do this job? You know, it's more than just for the paycheck. On Asking Weekly, we had Maria, who reached out and was asking about uh, training and education. And it was kind of cool because I found uh, through my network and talking to people, a free training uh, for new emergency managers. And it it's out of New Zealand. This is a college. It's a Macy University out of New Zealand. It is free uh, on open to study. It's O-P-E-N, the number two, and then study. And I will make sure that information is down in the show notes as well. Um, but the open to study, and there's a bunch of free classes that are on there as well, not just emergency management, but if you uh, want to learn to write a little more, there's some ready course, a bunch of free courses that are on there. So I'm trying them out. I'm going to do the emergency management course. It's more of an introduction, but I still want to try it out and, and uh, make sure that it's something that's really cool. Macy University in New Zealand is one of the older universities uh, down down there and they have an emergency management program. If you're inclined to, uh, they also have uh, an internship that they do 
to go to New Zealand for, for a semester and work down there and then work within the emergency management down there. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so if you're a student and you're looking into that kind of stuff, give it a try. You know, check them out. So uh, thank you for Maria for asking that question regarding education and training. And so and that was through Ask Todd. Please take time to uh, share this uh, podcast with your friends and colleagues that you think that would get something out of it. I always, uh, and in this case, you know, with your family as well, because I think you're going to learn a lot from Peter. It's not just, this one here is not just on emergency management per se. We, we focus on it, but it's a lot about um, finding your why for your daily work. So, to no further ado, let's talk to Peter. Peter, can you introduce yourself? Well, good morning, Todd. Um, it's great to be with you on, on your uh, podcast. Uh, I'm Peter Docker. I'm based in the UK, just west of Oxford. And uh, I guess these days I'm known as one of the Y guys. I work closely with Simon Sinek um, with the Start With Y team. And um, uh, within that, I'm really one of the how guys as well. So I teach people how to use this concept called why, both in their lives and also in their organizations and businesses. What exactly does why mean? And I'll, let me preface this question. How does the why movement really help with emergency management and our decision-making process and team building? Well, I think the, the place to start here is to clearly define what we mean by why, um, because why can mean many things. But as far as um, we're concerned, and Simon Sinek, Golden Circle, and his 2009 TED Talk, third most downloaded of all time, called Start With Why, it has a very specific meaning. Uh, and it's shorthand, really. So we can view um, the work that we do uh, at three levels. We can talk about what it is we do, whether that's the emergency planner or um, a baker or an accountant or whatever. We can then talk about how we do it. And in business, we talk about what defines us, what's our unique selling proposition, what makes us different, better or special. But then the why level is about what's our higher purpose? What's our cause? What's our belief? So it's not using why in the, the simple dictionary manner. When we talk about why, we use it with a capital W to differentiate that as shorthand for what's our cause, what's our higher purpose, what's our belief. Mm. And those organizations, regardless of field, regardless of nationality, regardless of anything, those organizations and those leaders who think, act, and communicate, starting with why it is they do what they do, in other words, their high purpose, their cause, their, the contribution, the impact they make in the world, those individuals, those organizations tend to engender great trust, great loyalty, great following, and engender innovation. Um, that thing called discretionary effort, where people are doing more than they absolutely have to. <laughs> because they believe in it. You know, when you think, act, and communicate, starting with why, you don't give people just something to buy. You give them something to believe in. And this can be just as important, if not more important, in the field of emergency planning than anything else. How can they do this and, and make it impactful during that crisis? Or is this something that we really need to do prior to the crisis? Well, uh, this isn't a one-time thing. You know, uh, thinking, acting, communicating, starting with why, um, really comes back to the, the, the culture and the leadership that we have within our, our teams. Um, you know, in emergency planning and also in the execution of those plans, and I'm not an emergency planner, but my daughter Louise is an emergency planner. We have these conversations. <laughs> you know, whatever aspect of emergency response you're involved in, whether it's um, the planners or the first responders, um, it can be summed up as you are the people who run towards 
the crisis rather than running away from it. And if you're going to have people do that, then they must be driven by something they believe in. They must be driven in terms of um, the the service they're willing to offer to others, to put others before themselves. And there's something, I think, that differentiates those in emergency planning and emergency response uh, above all others, because those people, your people, are those who run towards the danger um, and towards the disaster to help others. And so it starts really with ensuring that you you hire people in your organization who believe what you believe, hire people who um, are in service of others, who do believe in, um, well, however you want to articulate it, protecting life, supporting life, enabling us to live the lives that we choose to live in our communities. When you hire the right sort of people, you then have a base on which to work and uh, on which to lead them to. So in emergency planning, yes, there's a lot of management and a lot of complicated management, but actually starting with why is about leadership. And leadership is about creating simplicity. And some of the um, environments you just mentioned, whether it's Puerto Rico or Houston and many, many others around the world, those situations are hugely, hugely complex. And our plans are largely designed to handle that complexity and we manage it. What we also need is leadership. And that leadership is creating that simplicity, keeping people connected to why it is they do what they do, um, which has got nothing to do with money. It's about being in service. Because when people are truly connected to that why, then they will continue to dig deep. They will continue to work the long hours in support of that, that goal in a way that they cannot be told to do that. They cannot be ordered to do that. They do it because they choose to. And it all starts right. with that common higher purpose, that why. So I wrote a piece for my blog, and I talked about the difference between a management and leadership and emergency management, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually got some criticism from just a couple of people, but it was very similar on the criticism of saying, oh, why am I rehashing old arguments, the same stuff they talked about back in the, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s? And, and you know, why are we bringing this back up? And I, I have a fundamental belief there's a huge difference between leading somebody and managing somebody. And, you know, my background being in the military, we learned to lead. Uh, there are people that were in positions of higher positions that weren't great leaders, and but then there are also people that were, you know, lower enlisted guys that were phenomenal leaders, and I think there's a difference. Do, do you believe that, or is, what's what's your take on that? Um, I, I can agree more. You know, I think there is a lot of confusion between leadership and authority. And to your point, Todd, um, we've all come across people who have positions of authority but are not leaders. Uh, leadership is a choice; it's not a rank or position. And some of the greatest leaders I've come across are folks in the military, perhaps, who have got a very low rank, maybe. But the, the way they choose to lead, choose to deliver on their, their job, their task, their role, choose to uphold the values of um, what the organization believes in, in the way they choose to put others first, perhaps put themselves in harm's way so as others may thrive. These characteristics are what what signify a leader. Leadership is a choice. That said, in organizations where we have people who are in positions of authority, there is an expectation of leadership too. And that leadership, in my mind, is very much about creating that simplicity when faced with hugely complex situations, being able to cut through and identify the simple 
context within which you're working. You know, there are only two things, Todd, in the world, only two. There is content and there is context. Content mm -hmm. is the stuff that we do, be it emergency planning or whatever our role is. But content has got no meaning without context. Context gives meaning to the content. It's like, uh, do you remember a jigsaw puzzle um, when you were yeah. young? You may still have them for your kids. And, you know, hundreds of pieces of jigsaw puzzle out on the table. Um, you could see all the, the jigsaw puzzle pieces. That's like the content. But it only made sense when you got hold of the box and you could see the picture on the box. That's the context. And then we could piece it together. And I, I had a very challenging jigsaw when I was young, one where if you turn the jigsaw piece, puzzle pieces over, there's a different picture on the other side. Um, oh, no. Yeah. And it's only when you got the other picture on the other side of the box that they made sense again. The point with this is that starting with why is not necessarily about changing those jigsaw puzzle pieces. It's about shifting the context within which you work. And that's ah. a role of formal leadership of a senior leadership team to change the picture on the box sometimes, to shift perceptions that people have so they can find the energy they need to overcome the challenges they face. And that applies to emergency planning, emergency management, as much as it does to many, many other fields, whatever it is we're engaged in. Leadership is about creating that context. And context is about creating simplicity. And simplicity starts with why. What's our higher purpose? Um, how does that, what we're doing fit in to delivering on that higher purpose? And that's when you can unlock potential, when you can unlock huge energy within your team, um, even in very, very desperate, demanding times. Can leadership be taught? The answer to that question and more when we return from our break. Emergencies happen, whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple to use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Hi, this is Todd DeVoe from EM Weekly. If your company is in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we bring in experts in emergency management, response, and leadership from around the world, and they're here to share their best practices. Our listeners are eager to learn about new products and ideas, so this is the space for you. For more information, please contact Brian at brian at emweekly.com. Can leadership be taught? Yes, um, I, I think it can. The, the key, though, is to come back to this, this why. The goal is not to... Um, the goal is not to hire everybody who needs a job. The goal is to hire people who believe what you believe. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Todd, you were in the military, so was I. I was in the Royal Air Force for 25 years, and I was a fourth commander during combat operations. And it, it always strikes me that when I was hired as a pilot in the Air Force, I couldn't fly an aeroplane. But they spent a long time checking that I was going to fit in with the culture. In other right. words, did I have similar values was my own purpose aligned with the high purpose of the organization i was seeking to join only when they decided that did they then spend the equivalent of millions of dollars training me to be a pilot 
often we in business um, or outside organizations, we hire people based on their experience and their skill set. And they, we, we just hope that they then fit in. And that's the wrong way around. If you hire people who believe what you believe, you can then immediately open up opportunities where they can lead. And they are able to lead because they're in service of something they believe in. And when you believe in something, you can get passionate about it. And when you're passionate about it, you can then inspire others who are also believing what you believe. And that then is the, the catalyst for leadership. So, yes, leadership can be taught. However, you've got to start on the basis of working with people who believe what you believe. If you push somebody into a, a situation um, and tell them to be in service of something else that they don't believe in, then don't expect them to show up as a leader um, because they don't want to be at the front. They, they want to be at the back because they're not really interested in the, the mission or what you're engaged in. But when you surround yourself with people who believe what you believe, leadership will emerge at every level and you can create the space where that can thrive. It's kind of like when the military, when they choose people to go into special forces, it's more about them understanding and fitting into that culture than it really it is really them having the best shot or the, the, the greatest uh, ability, for lack of a better term, you know, kill somebody. It's, it's more about can they do, can they fit in with that team because the team is what yeah, it really makes sense. Absolutely. And we use that phrase a lot, don't we? Fit in with the team. What that means often is will this person we're considering be willing to put the team ahead of themselves? And in the military, it's a great example because people in the military, as you all know, Todd, um, they don't charge into the, uh, the, the line of action, put themselves in harm's way um, <laughs> for any great political motivation. They charge right. in because they know that the guy standing to the left of them, the guy standing to the right of them will do exactly the same for them. And that's what we mean when we talk about people fitting into a team. Um, we, we feel safe. We feel that others have got our back. And that's only possible when we're a group of people who believe in the same thing. You know, this is nothing new. Uh, if we go back 50,000 years, when we're out in the open plains, um, we weren't the biggest, we weren't the strongest, we weren't the fastest animal out there. And uh, yet we still not only survived, we thrived. And that's because fairly early on, we figured out that as individuals, we're pretty rubbish, but together, we're unstoppable. And we came together in groups called tribes, a tribe being defined as a group of people who believed in the same thing. And back then, it meant that we could literally go to sleep at night, safe in the knowledge that somebody else would be watching over us. Fast forward to the present day, the modern day tribe is the company, the organization, the team. And those organizations where people feel safe tend to be those who excel in whatever they're doing. Um, and it starts with having um, a team where you're surrounded by people who believe in the same common higher cause, which goes beyond self. So hire the right people, create the environment where they feel safe, and then leadership will emerge. And uh, the best thing we can do to encourage that leadership is to have people feel they're safe and feel they're empowered to take forward their ideas. You know, you talked about the tribe, and there's an organization that um, I'm, I'm involved with. It's called Team Rubicon. Uh, are you mm -hmm. familiar with them? No, yeah. I'm not. No. And, okay, so Team Rubicon was started by a couple of Marines when, Haiti, when the Haiti earthquake occurred, and they yep. went down there and they said, we need to do something about it. 
they got a group of five guys and they basically funded themselves down to Haiti and uh, started doing a lot of work Excellent. down there. And, and what they figured out was that as veterans, that there is still that drive for service and the, the strive for sense of purpose after you get out of the military. Okay. And you know, so one of the common things is, you know, you could be a mechanic in the military, an airplane mechanic, right? And you're still part of, you know, you're still part of the Royal Air Force, right? And you identify, you have a uniform, and at the end of the day, you're a sergeant or whatever in the Royal Air Force, and but you happen to be a mechanic. And then when you get out of the Air Force, you go and you work for, I don't know, United Airlines or whatever, and then you're just a mechanic, and you don't have that same identifier. And so the idea of the culture was, let's, with Team Rubicon, was give military veterans that sense of purpose again and the identifiers being part of that, being part of that organization. And a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of what we call, it's called the tribe. And we have, we actually have Team Rubicon UK and um, Prince Henry, I guess, is part of it. So it's kind of really kind of growing and it's a really awesome organization. And, you know, what you've just described there, um, Todd, and I agree, it sounds like an awesome organization. Um, it works because actually we're working with the biology. Yeah? When I, I talked about mm-hmm. 50,000 years ago in the tribe, um, it was so successful that biology has reinforced that. So we are biologically wired to serve others. There are chemicals released in our limbic brains, the old part of our brain, um, when we take actions that support the tribe staying together. And um, the, the more actions we take in support of the tribe, in other words, support of the others, um, the more of this chemical, or these four chemicals actually, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, the more they are released. And when they're in balance, we experience the feeling that we call happiness or fulfillment. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the sort of thing that we all seek. And so the route to fulfillment is actually biological. And the route to achieve that is through serving others, because that is how we're wired as a species and how we've thrived over thousands of years. So this is nothing new. Literally, it's thousands of years old. It's quite often, though, that in the the modern day business world, which dominates our societies, we have a focus on what we do and um, the the numbers and the, the stats and the data and we lose contact, connection with why we're doing it and the contribution and impact we make on others. And so organizations, um, Team Rivercon, you mentioned, and emergency planning organizations worldwide, there is a wonderful opportunity to harness that biological power of serving others and those emergency organizations that tend to really thrive are those that keep that real connection to why it is they do what they do you know this is why for example first responders they're of often of the community they serve uh, and so they have this connection to the community and they want to be able to restore the community so as people can continue to live the lives they choose to lead you know this is why you've got hundreds of firefighters in northern california i believe at the moment and trying to fight those wildfires you know they're going above and beyond what they may be contracted to do. They're putting themselves in harm's way, but it's in service of the bigger community. Um, And this is why they will continue to do it as long as it takes, um, because they're committed. And uh, when you harness that, it's actually very easy to lead people. Um, you, You just keep them connected to that higher purpose. 
I grew up in upstate New York, um, outside of Albany. And up there, there's tons of volunteer fire departments. Uh, most cities and towns are, are volunteer. There's not a lot of paid up there. And you can see that, that sense of community that those volunteer fire departments give the members and also just the community members, the pride that they have, you know, when they see yep. the, those, those guys march down the parade and stuff like that. So, yeah, I completely uh, it, It's good. And it's important that we um, we not only recognize but celebrate our first responders because that, again, um, releases a chemical in our, our brains called uh, serotonin. Um, and that keeps the the group together. There is one thing though that I I, I would like to um, highlight because I think it's very relevant here. Having worked with a number of police forces, both in the UK and the US, connecting to this higher purpose can be more challenging than one might think at first. And mm -hmm. I ran what we call a Why Discovery workshop for uh, the senior leadership team of British um, police constabulary, as they're known. And it was actually quite a challenge to run that workshop because a Why Discovery workshop is about reflecting on um, specific events that have made you proud of the work that you do. And it's quite an emotional thing. You know? And because police officers around the world are often faced on a daily basis with very tragic circumstances, human tragic circumstances, in order to cope with that, the natural reaction is to try and shut down the emotional side of it. And so it took quite a while for these people to be willing to open up because there can sometimes be a culture of, well, we don't share our feelings because, well, you know, that, that's not the done thing. Actually, it's absolutely essential. It's essential to ensure that stress and post-traumatic stress doesn't build up within individuals, and we can all be affected by that. Talking it through and sharing with others is a vital component of the process to ensure that um, these feelings that we, we've experienced facing um, very difficult situations don't build up and build up and build up. Uh, and so it's important to keep that alive in, in cultures where people are faced with these situations. Um, but also by reconnecting to those emotions, it actually is the source of what enables those police officers to do such a fantastic job with their communities in the first place. Unless they feel emotionally connected to the communities they serve, then they can start to become very disconnected. And then it, it can turn into a sort of us and them type situation, which we, we really don't want in any community. So right. it's essential that, uh, in, in my belief, it's essential to give police officers and other first responders the opportunity to talk about these events. And I don't know for you, Todd, but certainly in the military, after an operation, we would have the hot debrief and we'd talk it through right. um, and get it all out. And sometimes there'd be tears and snot and all sorts of things, but you get it out and then you're refreshed and you're ready to move on to the next thing. I think there's a big danger in the civilian communities where we have our first responders who are not given the opportunity to do that. And we, we see the... Um, the results of that in the, the mental illness that can uh, plague many of those agencies. Over here in the United States, we're doing this, uh, we have this thing, the average is about 22 veterans are killing themselves every day. And I think a lot of that is, is that we have the American bravado, if you will, that yep. we can take care of ourselves and that if you do ask for help, it's just a sign of weakness. And yep. I think we're doing a good job by changing that culture right now. But it's still, yeah, it's starting uh, to show, and we've got to work on it. 
um, uh, we, we have to work on it. We are, all of us, we are emotional animals. This is how we're biologically wired. The, the way we make decisions, all decisions, is through our limbic brains. Our limbic brains, the old part of our brain, are responsible for all decision-making, all human behavior, and yet have got no capacity for language. And this is why quite often we hear ourselves saying, yeah, I understand all the facts and figures, but it just doesn't feel right. I'm going to do this instead, yeah? Or we talk about a mm-hmm. gut decision um, or leading with our heart. Actually, it's our limbic brain. And so we are emotional animals, and emotions can stem from everything from fear or anger all the way through to sadness, everything in between, yeah? But when we realize and acknowledge that we are emotional animals and we work with that instead of in spite of it, then it can create some remarkable cultures where people feel safe, where they feel supported. And when people feel safe and feel supported in whatever field they're involved in, they are more likely to push the boundaries of what's possible, which is as important in such things as emergency planning and emergency response as it is in um, routine business of developing the next innovation in Silicon Valley. You know, if people feel mm-hmm. safe, then they're more likely to push those boundaries. And people feel safe when they feel that others have got their backs. And if they, they fall on the way, then they're going to be supported to get up and have another go. We're so it really kind of goes back to, back to the uh, Pablo's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah, there's a connection there too. Yeah. Let's just say for, you, you, you get a job, you know, you're the new hired leader of an organization, if you will, the manager, yep. and you get a team that's just not working well together or just the, the, the morale is down for whatever reason. What can you do to increase that morale of that organization? And these are people that, okay, we'll talk about first responders and or emergency managers, people that we already know took the job because they have to have some sort of feeling of service, but yet, for whatever reason, they're, they're down. How do we turn yep. that around by using why? There are often questions around this because we often find ourselves in those sorts of situations. And usually people think along the lines, what can I get others to do? What can what systems or processes can I change? Um, How can I push them to do something differently? Actually, the starting point is not them. It's you. And I invite people to ask themselves, who am I being that is causing those around me to be who they are? Um, if you occur as somebody who's just rocked up and is just going to be focused on telling people what to do, then um, depending on your experience level or your perceived um, authority, people will either just get on with it or they will um, do their own thing or they will build up resentment or whatever. If, however, you pitch up and you focus on who you're being as a leader and you focus on why you do what you do, Talk about why you are passionate about the work that you're in. If you're not passionate about the work that you're in, how can you expect anybody in your team to be passionate? So first of all, understand how you fit into the organization, how your personal why, the reason you get out of bed each day, how that fits within your organization, the job that you're doing. And talk about that with passion and explain why you do what you do and talk about the higher purpose of the organization and how it inspires you. And when people hear you talk like that, when they hear the willingness to be vulnerable, to let people in, then it opens up the possibility where they can be inspired too. And if they are fundamentally in a job that they love, they might not like everything in the job, but they fundamentally love their work, then they will be inspired to help you to find solutions 
to the problems that you are facing as a team. That's about leadership. If you focus just on the management of telling people what to do, then they will just wait until you tell them what to do. And they will not become a factor in finding those solutions as much as they might be when you create the space of inspiration focused on the why, uh, where they do step forward and help you find solutions to those problems you're facing. It's a matter, it's the difference between a management approach and a leadership approach. And leading a team is about giving them that context, that context starting with why. Generally, teams are pretty good. They can figure out the content. They can figure out how to do stuff. But if you've got a senior position or you're leading that team, then focus on the why. Because unless you focus on that higher purpose, chances are other people in the team won't. Are you familiar with David uh, Marquette? He wrote the book, Turn the Ship Around. David Marquette, absolutely, yes. We've, we've worked with him. Um, he's part of the Start With Why community, as it were. But I find that what you're talking about right there is, is illustrated in his book where he talks about the mission statement of a ship and that in some places it's just a mission statement that's on a piece of paper and it looks good and he talks about how you have to get your crew to buy into that statement and live that statement every day and i I see that as being uh, an important uh i mean he's a change agent i mean he went in and took a ship that was failing and turned it into one of the best Turn in the, in the, turn the ship around. Great book. Um, and that that was David's experience. And I, I've had similar experiences during the, the Gulf War as a force commander looking after 200 people, um, aircraft, pilots, technicians. And um, I, I hadn't been in that situation before. I didn't have all the answers. But what I could do was to express why we were doing what we were doing, which had got nothing to do with politics, but had everything to do with the fact that if we didn't do our job, which was to launch and fly air refueling missions to air refuel fighter jets, unless we did our job, then the fighter jets wouldn't get their fuel. And if they didn't get their fuel, they wouldn't be able to support troops on the ground with close air support. And people on the ground wearing American, Australian and British uniforms would die. As simple Mm -hmm. as that. And so a why is not complicated. A why is simple because when it's simple, everybody can understand it. They can remember it and it's actionable. And I can tell you in the four and a half months of the the, the mission we're on, the morale, the energy that came from my people was something like I'd never seen before. And I spent the vast majority of my time reminding people why we're doing what we're doing. And that is why they, the air crew climbed into the jets, which are completely undefended, large air refueling jets, uh, day after the day, taking on anti-aircraft fire from the ground. They, they would do that because they knew why they were doing it, what they were in service of. Likewise, the technicians fixing these 45-year-old aircraft without sufficient spares. They would work day and night through sandstorms and all the rest of it to ensure those aircraft were serviceable. Over the four and a half months, we were tasked with 479 missions, and we flew 479 missions. We didn't drop one. And most importantly, everybody who went out there came home safe. So this starting with why thing, A, is nothing new. about It's just a way of expressing what it means to work with purpose, on purpose. Um, And it's simple. It's about creating that context, that higher purpose context. And when we do that, when we focus on that, 
It releases enormous energy in our teams, whether we're on a submarine in David Marquet's case or leading a, a force out in the Gulf War or a first responder team or accountancy business or anything else out there. When mm -hmm. we're clear on that why, it creates a space where others can feel safe, where people who believe what you believe can join you in your cause and when remarkable innovation and energy occurs. Um, it really is quite simple. <laughs> this is like some really changing concepts here. And I think as leaders, if we could really embrace this, yep. we will do right by our people and we will do right by the citizens that we serve. And, and I think that this can really, you know, make a difference in communicating with why we do things, right? You know, we talk Absolutely. about the, you know, we, we talk about evacuations and, you know, why we're evacuating. And sometimes it's just, well, this is a decision that was made and we're going to put it out there. And we, and I know that we take our time to decide why we're doing it, but to understand the impact that it is on, on, on other people and, and the people that are living there. And if they can understand the whole why we go through that process, they're going to listen to us and we can save lives that way. Uh, totally. Uh, totally. Um, we can have the, the best emergency plans in the world, but unless we communicate what they're in service of in terms of maintaining or restoring a community, because ultimately that's what it's about, we all want right. to lead our lives in the way that we, we choose in um, harmony, in communities that work. Um, and emergency planning and delivery of that is about maintaining those communities so we can continue to live the lives that we choose to lead. And sometimes perhaps there's more focus that can be placed, as you say, on communicating that message. Because when people understand the context of why, using your example, why we're asked them to leave their homes, then they're more likely to work with us instead of in spite of us, or even worse, against us. And sometimes I think we don't communicate that perhaps as, as well as we might. And so we end up having to manage the problem rather than lead people to safety so as their homes can be protected and hopefully restored. Yeah, for sure. Well, sir, it's coming to the close to the end here of our conversation. One last question, and I think this is going to be, for most people, the hardest question of the, uh, uh, of the day. What book do you recommend somebody who would be interested in, number one, leadership, and then number two, just the whole why idea? Well, actually, that's quite simple. Um, <laughs> again, um, there are several books that I would recommend. The first is Simon Start With Why um, book of 2009, which um, puts into writing a little bit more detail around his TED Talk of 2009 called Start With Why, um, all about how uh, great leaders inspire action. Then his second book called Leaders Eat Last, um, which uh, talks about creating environments where people feel safe and the results that occur when people feel safe. And that links back to my tribe example. He did a, a little right. book called Together is Better, which uh, again is all about teamwork. And then um, just over a month ago now, uh, Simon and I together with our dear colleague, David Mead, um, released the book, Find Your Why. So this is how to go about discovering your own why, but also the why for your team. And by discovering your why, what we're talking about is be able to put into a single sentence, a single sentence, why you get out of bed each day, the contribution, the impact that you make in the world. It doesn't talk about what you do. It talks about why you do it. And so we've put everything that we've learned into that last book, Find Your Why. 
which is available everywhere. Um, and it, it will explain exactly how to discover this thing called your why for yourself or your team. That's great. Thank you so much for your time. And, and uh, keep asking that question why and doing the great work that you're doing. Well, thanks, Tom, for the opportunity to share these ideas. And uh, to all the emergency responders, the emergency planners out there, thank you for all the work that you do, which is often unheralded, often not seen, but is absolutely essential to help our communities, wherever they are in the world, stay safe. Thank you for the service you give. Fun with you by my side Staying up late, catch your morning